curious about that place. And I, whenever I run into people from Miami, we always end up talking about the bagel and deli shop. But I had my favorite bagel, and this sounds so gross today, but it was an onion bagel. You know, they would steam them, not toast them, but steam them. And it was provolone cheese and mayonnaise, and they'd wrap it in that aluminum foil, and it was nice and hot. And, but it just kind of sounds gross today, but it was so good. Welcome to Beyond High Street. My name is Jenny Derrick, and I'm the Dean of the Pharma School of Business here at Miami University. Today, I'm joined by Laurie Shallow, who graduated from um, Miami with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration, Organizational Behavior, and Human Resource Management back in 1989. So welcome, Laurie. It's great to have you on this podcast, Beyond High Street. Oh, thank you, Jenny. So excited to be here. Thank you. As our listeners know, during the podcast, we weave through a range of topics so that our listeners can get to know a little bit more about you, your background, and also your journey to the the job that you currently have and some advice along the way. So let me begin with what we consider the most important question. Why did you choose the Pharma School of Business? Oh, uh, I'm actually from Ohio originally. I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and Miami was just always held up as a premier school, you know, in-state school. And so that was a draw for me. I never even visited campus, to be honest. I play, it was the only school I applied to. Fortunately, I got in, um, but I had good grades, good academics and athletics and other activities. And um, I was just really proud to, to be able to attend the school and, and get that great experience. So tell me about your current journey. So you, you're working in um, for Chipotle. So tell us about your current role and then all of the really interesting things you've done to get to that point. Sure. So currently I'm the Chief Corporate Affairs and Food Safety Officer at Chipotle. And a lot of people say, what the heck do you do, right? So, so Chipotle, I think most people know Chipotle, but we are predominantly a U.S. brand. We have about 3,000 restaurants here in the U.S. and another you know, dozen or so in Europe and about 30 in Canada. And we have 100,000 employees um, across our our restaurants, and we are all company-owned, so that's what makes us unique. We're not a franchise model. Um, So the premise of Chipotle, if you haven't visited there, and I hope you all have been to the restaurant on High Street, I've been there myself, um, is, you know, it's all about fresh ingredients and and food that you can feel good about eating. So we have 53 ingredients in our restaurants, same thing you find in your dorms and your apartments and your kitchens, and... um, you know, proudly um, provide that to, to our guests. And we're also founded on a, a purpose and a mission, which is what really attracted me to Chipotle is our founder, you know, believed in um, our mission of cultivating a better world and food with integrity. And the premise that it does matter how food is raised and harvested, it tastes different, tastes better, and it's the right thing to do. And so that's the, the mission and purpose that we carry forward, um, you know, today at Chipotle. So with cultivating a better world. So and then I guess, do you want me to tell you a little bit about my journey or how? Love sure. To. Okay. Good. So um, yes, when I graduated a long time ago um, from Miami, I uh, then went back to Cleveland where I was from and I went into a restaurant a training program with uh, Nestle owned Stouffer's hotels, frozen foods and restaurants at the time. Um, so I worked in their restaurant division and was a, in the management training program for Stouffer's at top of the town in Cleveland. And um did that for a few years, went back and was getting my um, master's at Case Western Reserve in the evenings and um, finished that with a degree in marketing. So I have my MBA in in marketing and um, got married, moved to Detroit, finished my degree at Wayne State. um, And then I had the fortune of uh, joining Taco Bell, which is based in California. And so I worked for Taco Bell in public affairs, doing PR, community relations, government relations, 
and communications, et cetera, for um, about 10 or 11 years. And then I was transferred to uh, our parent company, which now is Yum Brands, which owns KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell. And that's based in Louisville, Kentucky. And so um, I was there also for about 10 years and working across all the divisions. And in the last five years, I worked for Yum Corporate and worked on our global business, uh, which was really exciting. And that included um, sustainability practices as well. Um, then in uh, 2017, I um, left uh, Yum after over 20 years and joined Chipotle. And it was based in Denver at the time. So uprooted the family, moved to Denver. Um, and then a year later, we relocated the corporate office to uh, Southern California, which is where I'm based now in Newport Beach. And so for the listeners, we're recording this in January 2022, and my feet are very cold. <laughs> well, I won't tell you, it's here. quite nice here today. It's mm. going to be in the 70s and it's sunny. Mm. Interesting. Fun fact. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. And the last time you and I talked, you had a big puffer jacket behind you. And I thought that was quite interesting because <laughs> you're in Southern California. I thought, why on earth do you need a puffer jacket? <laughs> That's right. It gets chilly at night. Yeah, right, right. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so uh, when you were talking about um, Chipotle and their pride for, for high quality ingredients and this also the focus you've had on sustainable ingredients too. I want to pause for a minute. And, and the listeners know that Chipotle had a couple of bad runs with food, uh, with health scares. So talk to me about that and how that impacted Chipotle and how you and your role had to manage that because after all, you are PR, crisis communications. So, so I'd love to hear more about that, please. Sure, and actually it's one of the main reasons why I was recruited to join the company that in 20, 2015, 2016, um, we had some very public outbreaks with E. coli and norovirus, and uh, the brand just wasn't set up to manage the crisis then. And, you know, they had great practices in place, but the procedures weren't always followed, which is when you have breakdowns um, that issues happen. So we um, have done a tremendous amount of work, invested a tremendous amount of money over the last couple of years um, to now have the best in class, you know, food safety practices and, and we're quite proud of them. We talk very transparently, very publicly um, about the, everything that we do within our restaurants for our employees, um, leading industry. Now with you know, COVID, um, we were able to pivot quite quickly, to be honest. We already did wellness checks at every shift. Um, we had paid time off for our employees to encourage them when they're not feeling well, don't come into work. Um, so we had to add a few things like temperature checks and um, uh, you know, wearing masks and social distancing, but for the most part, we already had a lot of the health and wellness practices in place, certainly had to add a little bit more around mental health, which is uh, quite critical today, and just make sure that everyone is also um, safe and healthy, you know, mind-wise. So, um, so we did have some, some issues, uh, very proud of the work, like I said, that's been done, and, and we do like to tell people, you know, what we've done and how it's very safe to eat in our restaurants today. So you've touched on how that period of time really set you up well for COVID and dealing with COVID, but I'm interested to understand more about other innovations you've introduced to, to cope with this crazy landscape that we're in. And as you and I were talking just before we started recording, the thought that we're heading into a third year of COVID ambiguity, I think is driving us all a bit crazy. So, tell, <laughs> so tell, me, tell us as listeners just a little bit more about the innovations that Chipotle has embraced. Yeah, one of the, I think the biggest things that helped us survive through the last two plus years, which again, I can't believe that, is uh, really our digital business and the technology. So, you know, if 
you know, I, I do, I feel bad for restaurants that did not have that, that delivery digital apps, you know, set up already in advance. I think that COVID has pushed people, you know, light years ahead. Um, but fortunately at Chipotle, we, we had that. So we had an app. We have a secret um, inside of every one of our restaurants and it's called our digital make line. And so in most places, I, I should have looked into this because in Oxford, I know you didn't have a digital make line, but you were getting one installed. So I don't know if that was installed or not. We, but we, we have one because we like Chipotle. There are two lines, yeah, one for the digital and one for- Perfect, so there are two lines. Okay, yeah. so in the digital make line, um, that is where all of our orders that come in through the app or the website, um, those go to that line so that people who walk in the front door don't have to wait and be um, you know, put on hold while a digital order comes in. So we have the digital make line in all of our restaurants. Um, and what's great is we can throttle that business based on um, how busy the staffing and with our delivery partners um, so that people can you know, get, our, get our products whenever, wherever they want them. So that was critical that we had all of that um, in place. But I will say, you know, even today, we just went through our strategic plans uh, this year with our leadership team uh, yesterday, walk, walking through our 2020 strategic priorities and technology, digital enhancements are going to continue to be um, a driver for us in the future with things like, how do we automate things within the restaurant and it's not to re remove jobs, even though the sh you know, labor shortage is quite difficult these days. It's really more about taking the jobs that people don't want to do so that they can focus on other things like culinary skills. So, you know, think about those types of things. How do we automate those in the restaurant? So that's going to be very top of mind for us in 22 and beyond. It's really interesting. And you talked a little bit about labor shortages. And I know oftentimes when we record podcasts, we don't want to timestamp things. We want the podcast to go into perpetuity. But I think right now we're in such interesting times. I know before we came on the call, you were talking about the current work from home practice. So I'd love it if you could talk to the listeners about how Chipotle is um, dealing with that right now, number one. Number two, I just think the staff shortages, you know, whether the, the great resignation, the inability to hire staff, I'd love it if you could talk about that as well. Sure. You know, we have across our 3,000 restaurants and our employees really from the start of COVID. So back in March of 2020, um, they've remained working inside of our restaurants. Now we made a lot of adjustments, closing dining rooms, and like I said, social distancing, but really proud of the fact that we were able to keep our restaurants open, keep our employees paid and getting paychecks and feeding you know, communities. When you remember, you know, food was quite scarce for, for a bit there. So, um, so we've been able to do that. We had very few restaurants that had to close such thing on campuses and universities and malls that were closed completely. But for the most part, we kept our restaurants open, kept everybody employed. Um, now from a corporate office, we did uh, send everyone home back in March of 2020. And we have had many return to office dates that have passed us by because new variants keep appearing. Um, we did bring our directors and above back to our uh, restaurant support centers in November. And we do hope to bring back the rest of our, uh, our corporate office employees in March. But again, that, that data has been moved so many times. Um, but I do, I'm very hopeful that it will stick uh, with this one. Very good. Well, it's time to take a trip down memory lane. So I'm going to ask you a whole lot of questions about your time here at Miami. Hopefully they won't be too difficult to answer or, <laughs> or um, uncomfortable to answer. So firstly, when you look back on your time at Miami, who was your favorite professor? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't recall like an exact name of a professor, but I... Um, you know, I, what I remember is when I loved about Miami was that, especially when you're you're freshman, you take a diverse group of, of, of classes, right? And so I was taking things I would have never normally uh, taken. So I just, 
I enjoyed that a lot. And I, I do remember, I forget his name, I apologize, but a professor who set the record straight that here you are, you're a freshman. Um, and he did this math formula on the chalkboard. I still remember it. And he he showed how much our parents were paying for us to attend every class. And his whole point was <laughs> come to class, right? Not because, you know, yes, mom and dad are paying for it, but it's just wasted money that you're not, you know, paying attention. So anyway, it was, it was a great class, but I love the diverse of the topics that I was able to explore as a freshman. So I could kind of shape and mold my career where I wanted to go. Yeah, but what subject did you least enjoy? <laughs> um, I was most nervous, I'd say about physics, but I found Miami had an incredible program. It was called physics and sports at the time. And it helped put into perspective how you use the different, you know, it was the arc you know, in the pool table and how you'd hit the cue ball and, and, and different ways. What co-curricular activities were you involved in? Oh, I uh, did gymnastics and um, different. Uh, I played racquetball. We had some great courts that we would play. And I love the um, intramural sports. So anytime we could gather a group of, of friends to get together. But, but I, I was on what well, we had a kind of a makeshift gymnastics team, which was in the old gym, not the new beautiful gym that you have now. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. Very good. What was your favorite time of the day for class? Are you a morning person or not so much? Oh, you know, I love the nine o'clock class because I think, you know, I'm a bit of a morning person, not super early, but that gave you enough time to get up, get a workout in or get breakfast and still get to class. The eight o'clocks are tough, um, but nine o'clock is probably a sweet spot. What was your favorite night of the week while at Miami? Oh, I like Thursday nights. Uh, Thursdays was kind of like a night to go out. It was almost the weekend, but not yet quite the weekend. So I, it's still kind of one of my favorite nights of the week. I like it. Did you have any internships while you were here? I did. Um, so I, I use the resources available to me at Miami and encourage all the listeners to do the same. And I was able to do an internship with BP America, which was based headquartered. Uh, one of their headquartered offices was in Cleveland um, at the time. So one of my summers, I did that. I worked in their marketing department doing research on different promotions that they would run at their gas stations to understand, you know, did it drive incremental sales and things like that. So it was quite interesting. That's a great opportunity. Goodness me. Mm -hmm. So where, where did you live in your freshman year? Do you remember the dorm and do you remember the room number? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't remember the exact room number, but I was in Porter Hall on the first floor, right on the corner, right by the outside door. Have you ever gone past the, the building? Do you, I have, yeah, yes. Yeah. How does it feel when you see it again? You know, it's funny. And I, I, I follow uh, Miami on social media. So I love when pictures pop up of whether a snowfall or I can see the campus or they'll show slant walk. And, um, it, it, you know, it bring, it's nostalgic, right? It, it brings me back. It's very, it's very traditional looking. It's a beautiful campus, a beautiful school. And so I have very fond memories. But when I... I remember I was just on campus. Um, oh gosh, it's it's been a bit now because of COVID, but I guess just before that, I had an opportunity to come back to campus, and um, it still looks the same. Like everything seems smaller. I don't know what that is about our life that we go back to either our childhood home or where we went to school. But um, oh, just I mean, they do such a great job, you know, just upkeeping the traditionalness of that school. It really is a beautiful campus, and one of my favorite things to do is just walk around campus. It's really quite special, and and you. Uh. It's very calming, very relaxing. Where did you live off campus? I lived in Miami East. It's probably not there anymore. I think it's been developed. I remember I tried to go down the street, but it was walking distance. It wasn't too far from campus. And you lived there the whole the, the total Yeah, so two years, 
freshman year I was in Porter Hall. My um, sophomore year, I was a resident assistant, an RA in Central Quad in, I think it was Richards Hall. Um, and so I did that. And then the last two years I lived off campus. Very good. What was your favorite building on campus? Not Uptown. We'll come to Uptown in just a minute. <laughs> That's funny. Um, you know, I think, um, I guess what I remember the most is probably either the Shriver Center or King Library, you know, where I spent a lot of time. What about Uptown? What was your favorite spot Uptown? Oh, the bagel and deli shop. <laughs> and it's almost lunchtime here. So now you're going to make me really hungry. But I just, it was, I don't know what it is about that place. And I, whenever I run into people from Miami, we always end up talking about the bagel and deli shop, but I had my favorite bagel and this sounds so gross today, but it was an onion bagel. You know, they would steam them, not toast them, but steam them. And it was provolone cheese and mayonnaise and they'd wrap it in that aluminum foil and it was nice and hot. And, but it just kind of sounds gross today, but it was so good. Comfort food, I'd call that. Yes. <laughs> so it was, it's funny when we had family weekend, the line outside Bagel and Daddy almost oh. went around the corner. <laughs> it was so nice. Oh, yeah. And, and not to leave the other, I mean, Skipper's, CJ. I mean, there's so many. Bruno's Pizza, probably another close second. But oh, so many great places. Some of those are still there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you come back to Bagel and Daddy when you visit? I did. Yes. When I was there, I, I made sure I visited there. And Skippers, mm. I think we went to Skippers and got a basket of the fries too. Mm. And did you get the same mayonnaise, onion, provolone didn't, cheese? Kind they of didn't quite have it that way. I think I, it was like lunchtime. So I think I had some protein. I had a different mm. one. I forget the name of it though. I love all the unique names though. <laughs> Thinking about um, your time here, what was your most um, per memorable personal experience while you were at Miami? Hmm. Um, you know, one of the experience, I mean, gosh, I had so many and I, you know, the friends and the experiences that we have, because we're here we are, we're, I feel like we're, you know, you're in high school and you're under your parents, you know, wings, and then here you just broaden yourself out and, and you get to go explore. And I, I loved like just learning about all the different groups on campus and getting involved in different things. I'd say one of the most rewarding was um, one time we had on campus, big brothers, big sisters, and I was paired up with a, um, a little sister who lived just outside of Oxford and I would meet with her. It was a commitment. It was once a week and we would spend one or two hours together. Um, but it was so rewarding. I still remember, you know, cute long hair and freckle face and, you know, she didn't have a TV at home and she, you know, a lot of experiences that we all had growing up, she didn't have and, and didn't have to parents at home either. So it was just time for me. And a lot of times my roommate, we would just spend time with her, help her with homework or walk around campus and talk with her. So I think that was one of the most, you know, rewarding experiences for me, but I have so many great memories from Miami. That's very good. If you look back on any part of your time at Miami, what if anything would you have done differently? Uh, I, I say this a lot. I, I wish I would have joined a sorority. So when I was there, we would come early and then do um, rush. I guess it was. So, you know, again, I didn't know anything about sororities or the campus and you, you come to campus for the first time and you, you go through rush. And I just said, you know, I'm going to wait at that point. You could also um, rush like your second semester, I think it was. So I thought I'll just wait once I know a little bit more about things. And then I ended up getting so busy in other activities and gymnastics and that, that I never did it. But what I find now is there, I love the sisterhood and the bonds that people have in sororities and fraternities. My husband was in a fraternity at University of Florida. And um, I just think there's something special about that, that I, I missed a little bit of that. You know, I had my own circles of friends and, and that, but I think joining a sorority um, would have been something I would have wished I'd done. That's good. Is there a class that you wish you'd taken? Hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I wish I would have taken more marketing classes because at the time I was a little bit more general focused business management. And you mentioned I have an HR degree. I ended up double majoring because I worked in the HR department. Somehow I probably saw a job posting on campus and I, I worked my way through school. I'm come from a large family. And so, you know, I needed to do that. And um, they were like, you know, you're only like two classes away from getting a, you know, instead of a minor, you could get a double major. And so, um, so I did that. And so, I, but I wish I would have taken maybe, I ended up my career more on the marketing side and communication. So I, I think I would have known, I would have liked to have known a little bit more what I really wanted to do and probably take a little bit more um, specialized classes versus general. It's a really good point. And sometimes it's so hard to know, isn't it, when you're going through yeah. school that it's when you talked earlier, you talked about the BP marketing internship and the degree you did in marketing. So you've got where you needed to be. But to your point, it's hard to know when you're a student sometimes what to do. So yeah. we're, we're moving on to the, the, I think, a really important part two of this conversation is the advice you would give to other students. So what I'd like to, you to do is to give advice and, and but to think of two different groups. So group one would be incoming first years. What advice would you give to incoming first years? Number one. Number two, what advice would you give someone who's been out for just one or two years, graduated a couple of years ago and, and now that they're in their early career? So I'd love to hear what you have to say. Great. Okay. So for my incoming, you know, if you're, you're new and you're arriving at Miami is just be so open to different experiences and it's a fresh start. I remember still my freshman year, there was a gal in my uh, hallway, my corridor, when she had her first uh, visitor, they called her a different name. And we were like, well, what do you mean? Her name is Sue, but she changed her name because she didn't like the nickname she had. It's, it was something very strange, but I thought it is a fresh start, right? So it's, it's an opportunity for you to, to reset, you know, whatever um, stereotypes or baggage or, you know, whatever you were at home or in your high school, it's all different, right? It's even playing field. Everybody's new. Go try things. Go sign up for a class. Go join a club. Take a class you didn't, you know, you don't know anything about. So just really be wide-eyed and open and ask questions and get involved. You know, that's my number one thing. I think sometimes when your people are struggling their freshman year, it's because they're not putting themselves out there and really getting involved. And, and so I highly recommend that. Um, and then for those who are maybe one or two years, just, you know, in the working world, and I feel sorry for the kids who have just have one or two years and don't really know probably what the real working world was like before COVID. But, um, you know, the one thing I didn't do right away either is connect with your Miami alumni. And so, and, you know, I waited years, I, you know, I'd always get the emails or the notices and I'd put it off and put it off. And, um, you know, those chapters, we have Miami alumni chapters everywhere and, it, and people move a lot, right? Look at me, I've moved all these places and you take jobs in different cities, but there's always a Miami connection there for you. And it's just a nice way to, to meet people, whether through work or social um, especially if you're in a new city and you find yourself, you don't have a lot of friends or family. So, so stay connected to Miami, of course, give back to Miami. Cause I think that's a great thing to do. But again, that might come a little bit later. What great advice. I love it. So we're coming to the close. So as, as I do close, I want to thank you so much, Laurie, for your gift of time and for allowing us to record this podcast. One of the things that makes my job so easy as being of the Pharma School is just how engaged our alumni are and how willing they are to continue to find ways to support the school, its students, our faculty and staff and other alumni. So thank you, Laurie, and go well as you continue in your journey beyond High Street. Thank you so much. Thank you.